Hello. Has it been a good day for you? Was, was there a time today where you kind of lost track of time? So much in the moment and so much joy in what you were doing that you just kind of forgot there was a clock? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, the concept is in the flow. Um, the dictionary talks about uh, in the zone, if you're more the athletic mind. Um, in the flow is a phrase that was coined, created, um, architect, invented by um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And he has a fabulous TED Talk. I'll put the link in the, uh, in the text below. And we've got a couple of graphics here with just some talking points about them about in the flow. So a little bit of history, it actually comes from a Greek word, uh, autotelic. And uh, a long time ago, I had a school project in Scratch, a programming class. It's kind of like um, programming with Legos, you know, you just bring in blocks and you build something. The Stanford University sponsors it. They have a gigantic users group. And we, each of us, were to create a project, and I made one that could be used for uh, um, response to intervention. And I included all the pieces so that the uh, um, students could continue on with levels. I created only two levels, but I left them all the pieces. So it was clever at the time. Um, but it, uh, I called my little hero. His first name was Otto, O-T-T-O. And I made it in kind of a funky font. And his last name was Telic, T-E-L-I-C. And I thought I was so clever. <laughs> and it, I don't even know that anybody ever noticed it. Um, Otto Telic was the name of my guy. Um, anyway, so the idea of purpose plus curiosity plus intrinsic motivation plus being driven from within your heart and soul um, the opposite of doing something because you're forced to or threatened or bribed or there's pressure or shoulda, coulda, woulda kind of stuff. And the opposite of worry. So um, the, uh, the first graphic that we're looking at, I try to put in every workshop I ever give <laughs> because it's just such an important concept. Um, it's, it's for everybody, but let's say in this case, since we're here talking about learning differences and neurodiversity, let's say that uh, we'll, we'll put ourselves secondhand a little bit further down the totem pole, but we're really talking about the, the young people that we're here to try to help serve with their learning and their, you know, acclimating to life. Um, for them to be using self-control, self-regulation, uh, growing through executive functioning uh, challenges. So what does that mean in the flow for them? Because certainly they merit it as much as we think we might, right? So I use the example of, uh, to explain in the flow, let's say that you're doing a hobby of some, some kind. And then you just kind of suddenly realize four hours have gone by and time just stood still for you or it zipped past faster than a speeding bullet. Either way, you know, um, there was a time when I was so engaged in something I was doing on the computer that um, uh, my kid finally cut, came up. It was like about 8 p.m. and said, hey, can I have something to eat? And I was like, oh, oh my goodness, yes, of course, you know, that was only four hours ago, five, three hours ago, we could have had supper. Um, 
So anyway, in this first graphic, uh, there's uh, I spelled his name. And I, I like to make the joke because I talk to early childhood teachers quite a bit in the workshops. Can you imagine being a kid in kindergarten and on your paper you have to write, me high, checks at me high? <laughs> um, it usually gets a good laugh. It's a good icebreaker um, line when you're talking about in the flow with educators. All right, so in his, uh, his TED talk there, he uses a very interesting kind of a computer brain analogy. And um, we're going to talk about that now briefly. His, his numbers, he says that the central processing unit of the brain, likened to a computer, can process about 110 bits per second in a, in a you know, hard, uh, um, uh, hard drive analogy. And so if you're listening to a person talk, a regular person, not somebody that goes too fast like I do, um, they're going to take up about 60 of those bits per second. Going to take up more than half of that bandwidth. So you're less, you're left with less than enough for a second person. And if there is for some reason a, um, a cognitive load on you, let's say you're really worried, preoccupied, um, fearful, anxious, um, uh, sleepy, <laughs> hungry, um, grieving, um, uh, full, filled with regret, um, uh, and uh, any other kind of distraction you can think of, well, that's going to pull some of that bandwidth also, right? So it's obviously one of the reasons why you cannot listen to two people at one time. There's just no, no room for it. So um, I just uh, I like to remind people that if you're working with kids and and they're paying attention to what's going on out in the hallway or um, on their device or in their head or somewhere else, because kids can be really distracted. Certainly, if if they're if the the, the, the distraction is moving physically moving and you're just standing still, you know, nagging them. <laughs> I tell him, listen, you know, the brain is primarily wired for movement, to pay attention to movement in case the tigers are coming. So, you know, if you want somebody to pay attention to you, add some movement in there. You also can add a song. So if you want to sing to them, that will really get their attention also. Because singing wakes up more parts of the brain than anything else does. And then if you wiggle around, move, jump, something like that, add a little humor to it, okay, you're going to get your 60 bits per second and maybe even more of somebody's attention. So just keep that in mind that if you're trying to make a teachable moment or make a point or distract a kid or grab them back for the, from the brink <laughs> of going off the cliff, whatever it, it takes, um, you won't just be able to get their attention with just a plain regular voice because um, they're going to need something more. So amp up the volume there. But, but it won't really work as a normal day-in, day-out type of an intervention. Just keep in mind that if they're distracted and they're not in a calm, teachable state and their vagus nervous system is um, rip-snorting, then, you know, you're not going to have joint attention. They're somewhere else. Another way of looking at it is, have you ever gone into uh, a consumer situation? You go buy something or it breaks or you're unhappy with something or you're standing in line too long or for whatever reason, you're huffing and puffing. All right, so now you need to vent, right? And any good customer service rep, and I was trained to be one of those years and years ago, is that if a customer is mad, you got to bleed that venting off first before you try to rush to the solution because they're just going to get madder and madder. 
that's much of the reason why interfering in a domestic abuse, um, uh, domestic altercation is so dangerous for police officers, for first responders, because they're not really in a, not everybody might be in a calm, approachable, teachable, rational state. And if they're heightened, then you got to bring that puppy down somehow, right? Same thing with our kids. So for my son, um, Say, for example, okay, you can click onto the second page, right? There's some photographs of some examples. Most of these were at least four or five years ago. He's 13 now, 13 going on eight. <laughs> if you're working with developmental delay, um, we got ours through anaphylactic reaction to fire ants more than one occasion and a, a, a damaged immune system. So... And he came out a bit early, and I did not understand all of the immune system uh, uh, ramifications there. Um, but uh, anyway, so some of these may be relevant for the children that you're working with. and You can stretch the illustration if you need to. So um, anyway, the point I wanted to make was that if, if he's all ramped up, um, and he's going to be missing in the flow, but I want him to love what he's doing. I want him to be intrinsically motivated, and I want him to have that that opportunity to to glow in his learning, to love what he's doing so much in the course of the learning day, be it the school day or the music day or the going to worship day or the shopping or the camping, anything that he's doing to be in the flow because that's going to take all of that learning and stick it much more efficiently in, into long-term memory. And there'll be many more dendrites that go from file cabinet to file cabinet. And when he takes a short-term thought and he wants to sh store it away, it's going to go in the right place and it won't get flushed. So it's just a, man, I, I just would want our kids, I would want everyone to be in the flow almost constantly. We'll have more self-directed learning, more joy, more happiness. Um, life will just be better. Um, and that will also aid us as we live in the moment and not get all wrapped up around the axle with worry and fear and things we could not control anyway. So let's look here at a few examples. They may resonate with you and uh, maybe not. <laughs> so the first one you see there in his little Cub Scout outfit, he's just joined the Cubbies. Uh, you, you may be able to see how he's twisting his fingers. Now, he's standing up in front of a, of a group of kids, his peers, and he's very, very, very excited to be there. So he, it, it, part of him is in the flow, but part of him is still twisting his fingers from that inner turmoil, from, you know, sensory integration or um, uh, challenges, um, executive functioning challenges. What the hell heck am I doing up here in front of everybody? Do I have to give a speech? I got expressive del language delays. You guys want a speech out of me? Are you kidding? Um but he's up there and smiling and ready to take it on. It's just that his fingers are giving away um, the, the, uh, the churning on the inside. So it just proves the point that you can be in the flow some parts of your existence and, and, and not quite ready for it yet in others. Okay, the second one, see the hands in the pocket with the gray shorts? That's how we go to museums. <laughs> Or he might carry two books. Uh, if it's a rougher day, I'll tell him to carry two books, one in each hand. That's an age-appropriate thing, right? Going to a museum. Uh, not if I stuck handcuffs or duct taped his arms together. But, you know, you're not supposed to be touching those antiquities, right? They kind of frown on that. So I just would say, all right, dude, you can put your hands in your pockets or you can carry these books. You, you choose. And uh, so 
we're always looking for opportunities. If we got something that's stopping him from being 100% in the flow, how can he look less obvious? How does he look more like a neurotypical peer, right? And, and that's for his own peace of mind and self-esteem than it is really for the opinion of anybody else. Although it is nice not to be a target. Um, John's a pretty sympathetic uh, kid. He's not really a smart aleck with the speech delays. He's not an aspy kind of a kid that's smart, smart and off. Um, so he hasn't been bullied as much. His bullying would, would be more insidious, kind of like some kids in the earlier years coming up to him with his speech delay and, say, and you know, talking about him being stupid. Um, but um, that's just a misunderstanding. In which case, then I'll intervene with the kids. I'll smile and I'll say, hey guys, he's just got a, his tongue doesn't work as well as yours. Would, would you like to know how that, how that works? Okay, so stick your tongue out, right? So I'm doing that. I stick my tongue out and then I talk. And I say, okay, now say amen. Tell me something about yourself. And so as these kids are, they grab the tongue and it immobilizes it, right? They can't quite, they, 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 they've got, they can now kind of feel what it tastes like. And that's not, of course, 100% true about, that's what causes, you know, the lack of expressive speech in a kid. But it works great if you're talking to a kid and you want to get the point across and you'd like to build a little empathy. So I've used that many a time. Um, get them, a, get, get a little circle of kids trying to talk while they're holding on to their own tongues. <laughs> Okay, so then the next one, here you see him carrying the books in the museum. That's our uh, Museum of Fine Arts in the greater Houston area. And they've added a, an annex or two. So they got this really gorgeous tunnel with lighting that connects building to building. And they change the lights and it's you feel like you're falling off the edge. It's a really amazing sensory experience. And, and, and a sensory experience not to take lightly, right? So here's this kid with sensory challenges. And at that time in his life, he would absolutely still be sensory um, averse. Carrying his books <laughs> because I want his hands. He might even, might even be this. Look, it's the same day. He's wearing the same clothes. So he probably got mom to carry those books. And then I gave him back, or maybe it was the other way around, right? Uh, I carried the books until he gave them to me, and then I was camel for the rest of the trip. But I bet these were the same day. Okay, so here he's carrying his books, navigating the tunnel. Um, we're going from exhibit to exhibit, uh, and um, he's in charge. I'm letting him um, move. I'm, I, I try not to push and shove too much. It, the best analogy I can give is that if we're on the on the fringes of a really big sensory experience, then the best thing that I can do for him is to just stand there on the edge with him and just smile and stay calm, keep a smile on my face, stay relaxed, keep myself in the flow and say, hey, would you like to try that? Would you like to, would you like to try it now? <laughs> And then uh, try not to push too hard. And then when he steps forward, see, it's got to be his idea. Our kids have to choose. You have to be willing to step into the flow. You can't cram it down their throats, right? I can't make him be in the flow if he's all agitated with sensory processing or uh, a thousand other things that our kids have so they are not comfortable within their own skin. Okay. All right. Now, the next picture, the fourth one across, the kids in the car. So one of the great blessings in our life has been uh, uh, playing with the neurotypical kids 
uh, we have a nice little cadre of buddies, and this was, of course, many years ago. And mom's car, my car, is a place of therapy. So uh, we have these little foam bullet guns. There's a name for them, but I've kind of forgotten. Um, I told them, yeah, you can shoot those in the car. Just don't hit the driver. <laughs> and the idea would be that if they could shoot those little foam rubber suction cuppy things and they stick to the window, that would be awesome. You can have some target practice. You can... Um, uh, model for my kids. So our little friend Zeb is in the striped shirt and my son John is in the maroon shirt. You see John's face. Most of the time I try to leave other kids' faces out of these photographs. Um, my kid doesn't get the same fate, but um, I do try to protect the other kids from privacy. So anyway, we would have these uh, bullets and little pop gun foam rubber thingies in the car and uh, you know, when kids came in the car, it was like party time. John's car is party time. Um, and we'd have toys in the cubby holes, um, anything that would engage kids, anything that would make the kids want to ride in the car with us to go do something. And I would treat, treat them like princes and princesses. And we would, it was a cool thing. You know, we've kind of dwindled away from that on Friday after, at dismissal time. But it used to be, man, I'd pull into the, car, into the school and we'd load up the car as many kids as you can get in. And we would go off on neurotypical peer modeling adventures. And it, um, John really has grown through that. And we've been able to build some pretty decent friendships. I'm hoping that they will still hold up in the years of junior high school and high school. Of course, time will tell, right? Okay, so let's go down now to the blue kid running in the rain. That's headed to basketball practice or a basketball game. We play a lot of I-9 sports. And he would have, um, so in this case, he jumped out of the car. He was going to go on ahead, bye mom, see you later, not looking back. And, and there was a time, of course, when the kids would be fearful and so you'd over protect. And I tried to really fade that as soon as possible. So the, the day I took this photograph, it was one of the very first times where it was basically like, bye mom, don't let the doorknob hit you on the butt on the way out of here. And he was out of the car running toward his event, didn't look back, in the rain. I was great, you know, I dropped him off so he you know, close to the sidewalk and then I navigated the parking lot and then found him wherever he was inside. So and anytime our kids reach toward independence, that's risk-taking, and that's a cousin to end the flow, right? Because they're, they're running toward what they want to do. They're, they're excited about something, and uh, that was that day. Okay, now you see John looking at the watch. <laughs> we're trying to prepare him. I'm trying to prepare him for in the flow there. That particular day, we were in a restaurant, and he really knew how to get mom over a barrel, and he would use poor behaviors trying to embarrass me, trying to get whatever he would want, and I would just have to hold the boundaries. And so in this case, he's sitting still for two or three minutes if he wants to leave the table. And I got, he's, that's my watch, but he's just going to have to sit there quietly, nicely, no wiggling, no screwing around for two or three minutes, whatever the time it was that I said. So he's watching the, the hands sweep around. Um, time awareness uh, has been an issue for us. So with the dyscalculia and the number, you know, odd relationship with numbers, be it time, money, um, whatever else numbers are used for, distances, you know, um, we're 
if, if he's using an analog clock, um, telling when it's 3.37 and then add 11 minutes and then do something else, that's been more of a challenge. I've recently gotten him a digital smartwatch, not an Apple watch, but a $40 version for his Android. And so that will sync with a lot of the Fitbit kinds of things. So he's paying attention now to the apps on his watch, his digital watch, because the, the numbers make more sense, but they're not base 10. So you don't have the cycle going around the clock to realize, okay, 60 is like an, uh, is like 100, but not exactly. So we're lucky that they picked base 10, right, for a number system instead of base 3, or and we would be much harder to figure out percentages. And then as we work with our elephant math and some of the other um, math number money concepts, um, I'm trying to use every trick, every way to connect what he's doing concrete to the abstract idea of someday we're going to have to have a budget and someday you're going to have to keep to your schedule and, and we're using a list and we're trying to put the times in his phone and make everything relevant to him so he fits into the jigsaw puzzle. But anyway, back to the photograph. Um, uh, he's preparing to get an opportunity to get up leave the chair to earn the right to be maybe in the flow when he's leaving the restaurant. <laughs> I wrote a blog post about him doing the napkin dance and it's it, he was just so funny doing goofy things and then I got him to re uh, reenact it out in the parking lot. It wasn't quite as funny as it was in the restaurant but you know how that is. Has your kid ever really embarrassed you in a public place? And, and you couldn't really capitulate and just, you know, stick your tail between your legs and slink off because that means they win. And how are you ever going to eat anything other than drive through again in your life? So pushing for the restaurant manners and museum manners and worship manners has served us well. It's, um, it was a steep hill, but we got the payoff now. And um, so totally, totally worth it. Okay, the next one, that's inside a kid birthday party. It's a sensory box from hell. Sensory box car of loud noises and all those video machines and everybody's got their own uh, controller. Um, it's never been my bag to play games like that. You know, I'd take a book or a nap <laughs> or a movie. Um, but this particular, and it was hot and stuffy in there. It was a kid birthday party. We were at a park. It was a friend's party. And he was so motivated to want to go into that environment, stuffy and loud. But to him, it was in the flow. Not to mom. Mom couldn't wait to get out of there. And I was only in there for like a minute or two just to make sure he was okay. But he perched a little, his little hiney on that bench and just faded into all the other kids along there. Uh, I was just so happy his eardrums were breaking <laughs> as he was there because he wanted to be. So you see, a good, strong first cousin to end the flow is intrinsic motivation. And that was that, was that birthday party there. Okay, now the next one is when um, I was uh, setting up a bank account for uh, my older and I happened to realize, you know what, um, my younger doesn't have an account. So John's kind of staring around, not really paying attention, not really attending at all. And But I did, I did drag him to the bank to go with us. So if, imagine, here's a kid leaning back in his chair, right? Kind of slouched back, sloppy, no posture whatsoever. And uh, probably banging his head on the back of the, the, the wall there. And I said, hey, John. Would you like to have a bank account too? 
And it was like this miracle thing was going off because that kid sat up straight, leaned forward, got the look on his face like you bet you I sure do, leaned into it, and I would call him in the flow. And that's the example. That's why I have it here is that, and that then you see the next picture of him taking the, the, um, the money over to the cashier to open up. It's one of those $5 youth accounts, right? With a little debit card. And then later on, we took that debit card to the restaurant and I helped him figure out the tip and he got to sign Scratch's little name on the thing. So he's starting to get the idea of commerce, right? We're, we're, we're lousy with nickels, dimes, and quarters, but we're pretty good with the old debit credit card. Um, signing his name, trying to figure out what the tip would be. So here you see the picture of him getting his account set up and uh, the banker was um, glad to help out. It was probably back in the day when they needed more accounts. <laughs> uh, so we were probably a statistic for him, but hey, we'll take that. We'll take advantage of it. And it was just the look on John's face, you know, of just in total engagement. He went from detached, I'm bored, I want out of here, to baby cakes, I am in the flow with a bank account for me. And then as he, then as I said, he went over to the and did the teller stuff. I just stayed back out of the way. Well, it's not my job to do those things for him. He's got to choose to be in the flow. So you see that text there that, that's kind of, oh my goodness, I've said that a million times. Do you want to try that? And then I'll just kind of, you know, make a little tiny look like that is a cool thing. Do you want to try that? <laughs> because he has to choose to want to be in the flow. And that would be without regret, without distraction, without grief, without fear, without a, a worry of failure, um, without worry of censure. So that means I need to be in that calm state, that secure state of I'm going to love this. I'm going to want to do it again. Thank you guys very much. Life is great. I want to be alive. I want to remember this. I'm going to take that, long, that, that thought from uh, working memory. I'm going to put that back in long-term storage. I'm going to put the dendrite so I can find it again. And we're, we're going to do this the easy way. That's another thing I ask him almost every day. Hey, dude, are you going to pick easy way or hard way? Please, please pick easy way. Mom hates hard way. Hard way always hurts. And so that's one of our ways we try to reset the clock. So let's say that he is about as far away from in the flow and so is mom. And as soon as we can realize that, then we're going to have to have a little family meeting. And we're going to have to say, boy, I was wrong and I'm sorry and apologize and we need to start over. And whichever one of us thinks of it first, we're going to have to collaborate, negotiate, and then wipe the slate clean and start over, hold no grudges. And it's got to start now. So um, he's getting pretty good at it. He's getting pretty good at learning how to connive mom too. But um, that's okay, right? I tell people, hey, be happy if your kid's trying to manipulate you. Manipulation is a cognitive function. Man, you, you got to have something upstairs if you're going to try to manipulate people. So celebrate that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time. I hope there's some ideas that may help you with, with what you're up against. Um, it's a beautiful concept. Um, go to that link to his TED Talk and just savor it. Um, listen to it more than once. Um, we all want to be in the flow to maximize the life, the joy, the, the purpose, your unique purpose. So as a, um, uh, as a unique critter, not only you and the, the other people you serve in your life, you have a purpose and you have to be in the flow to maximize your purpose and to be able to 
um, not just be a automatron, not just be a robot going through the motions, right? The idea of in the flow is that you are internally motivated. You see a different picture. You're not in it just to punch your ticket and get it over with. Give me my money. I'm out of here. And then sit on your, you know, on your tokus and, and just sip mint julep and eat bonbons. I just gave you a thousand cliches there. Sorry about that. If you if you if you're going to be in the flow, you're going to find your higher purpose in life. You're going to want that. You're going to be curious. You're going to be purpose driven. You're going to be, you know, all the best parts of your heart and soul, uh, and why we're here, from a spiritual standpoint. So, okay, thank you for your time. It's precious. I always love these talks. It would be more fun if we were face to face. And there's always uh, that hope soon. Okay, peace be with you.